I like this book right here. Does anyone else like this book? All right, do this. If you have your Bible with you today, just raise it up in the air. Some, some now do this. I like that. Ernie, you have a phone. Yes. So some of you will use your phones. If you don't have a Bible with you and don't have the Bible app on your phone, I ask that you just grab the Bible that is in the pew in front of you. And all choir people, you have a Bible right there too if you don't have one of your own. All right, do we all have one? Raise it up in the air again. Here we go. This is the very word of God. And we come here today to honor God and learn more about him through his word. Amen? So every Sunday, every Sunday, we proclaim the word. Sometimes the pastor will read it to you. Sometimes we read together on the screens. But today, we're going to take a moment and read it quietly, individually, to ourselves. So find Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, the second gospel in the New Testament. We're going to read verses 12 to 26. And I have a timer on the screen. We're going to give you 90 seconds, and this room will just be quiet, and we will read this all together quietly. So let's take time this morning to reflect on God's word individually and be focused on listening to what it has to say. penetrate our hearts. Your word is true. 
and your word is above any of our opinions. Lord, help us to seek you through what you've already given to us through the scripture. Amen. I'm going to give you a few words associated with holidays we celebrate here, and I want you to respond back as to what holiday I am thinking of. All right, so pine tree. All right, heart. American flag. Carved pumpkin. Turkey. In this case, we already had Christmas. We'll go with Thanksgiving. So let me take this moment also to give you a missions plug to mark your calendars for Saturday, November 19th to help us deliver our holiday food boxes that morning. But we all have a picture of what the holidays look like, the way in which we like to see them, the way in which we have experienced them. And as you read the passage this morning, you came to another holiday that was celebrated by the nation of Israel. And I would say it might even be the largest of all holidays celebrated in Passover. Now, Passover, I equate Passover with, it's similar to Thanksgiving, in that there is one large meal celebrated together, but it carries more of a meaning of Easter, in that the the people are remembering a time of salvation and deliverance. Now, I preach from the New Living Translation, the NLT, and you may have a different wording in your preferred version, but I assure you, the Word of God is still the same, in and out of different translations. So, I will start in verse 12. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. And at the house he enters, say to the owner, The the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? And he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. The Festival of Unleavened Bread. It's a festival that lasted for seven days, and it was preceded by the Passover meal, or the Seder. Passover remembers that time in Israel's history um, with the 10th plague. The 10th plague is where uh, all of the firstborn males uh, were killed. But everyone who followed God, all of his people who sacrificed a lamb and put that blood over their door frames, the angel of death would pass over that house. So it was the blood of the lamb that brought salvation to the nation. And every year year at Passover, 
people would go to the temple and have a lamb sacrificed and eat this lamb at the Passover meal to remember this part in their history. Well, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it was a time when all leaven was to be removed from their home. Now, leaven is uh, often uh, associated with sin throughout the scripture. It's an, it's an analogy for sin. Now, it is easy to walk into your house and to see the big loaf of bread sitting on your, your counter. Like, okay, I can take that and remove it. But it is much harder to remove all those fine crumbs in every corner of your cabinets or to dig into your couch cushion and find all of those Cheerios that have fallen in those dark places. It is the same with us in our sin. There is sin that we easily see in ourselves and say, this, this I need to get rid of. Sometimes there's those other places that are a lot more uncomfortable that we need to search inside and give those over to the Lord in confession. And today, we're going to take a time for confession during this sermon. So as we move forward, begin to think, what are these things that I have brought with me, unconfessed before the Lord, that I need to put before him? The Passover meal kicks off the festival of unleavened bread. And that was a time where people would look back uh, in their history when they had to quickly flee Israel or Egypt. Israel was running for their lives and they grabbed this unleavened bread. They didn't have time to make it as they normally would. And this festival, this specific, this Passover meal, there was a lot to prepare. Think about preparing a Thanksgiving dinner at your house. You have all of the preparations, the cooking, the shopping, and it would have been the same uh, for this meal. So one of the 12, or more of them, would have to go into town ahead of time, have the lamb sacrificed, and then wait. Because the lamb would have to have all of the blood drained from it. And I'm not sure what happened during that time, if they sat in the outer courtyard and just waited, or if they, like, all right, I got two hours, let's go into the market and get the other things I need, and then went shopping at that time. And I'll tell you what, this is something interesting to me. Maybe you already realized this, but as I read through this passage, I realized that this was not the first Passover that Jesus would have celebrated. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the one time it's recorded, but it's not the first time he did it. Because from the time he was born up until this point, he would have celebrated Passover every single year because that's what the Jewish people did. So also, when Jesus entered his ministry until the time of his death, most people agree that that was about a three-year period. So I would say it's safe to assume that he probably celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples before it was even recorded here. And I say that, uh, just know that 
this is something they're very, very familiar with. And they have a certain way of doing things and a certain reasons behind all of those things. And I always like to kind of contemporize it in my own mind. What would this would have looked like? And you all have someone in your home who you know can, is the better cook. And you know like, oh, Aunt Sally, she's making the turkey this year. That is great. I want Aunt Sally's turkey. But Uncle Bob, those biscuits he makes are hard as rocks. So I, you know who does what well, right? And I would take the assumption that maybe, maybe there were same thing with the disciples. Maybe Matthew was the good haggler in the market and found the best prices. And maybe Andrew was the best sous chef or Peter cooked the lamb the best. Uh, the point is that they would have all have done this before, something very familiar to them. And when we read this section from Mark, once again, I, I used to read this section and think, wow, this is a miracle. I mean, Jesus knew where to send them, what guy to connect to with, what house would be available for them. That is just a miracle. Now, I, I believe that Jesus has done many miracles, and they were recorded in here, and many that probably did not get recorded, as Scripture tells us. But I don't think this was one of those miracles in this case. I think Jesus was maybe more like a good Presbyterian and had things set up in ahead of time in a, in a in a good order and fashion, right? He could have been in a town and had these arrangements set, and he just told his disciples when they asked, where should we go? Ah, well, let me tell you where you should go. You're going to go into town and find this guy carrying a pitcher of water. Why is that significant? Because that was not a man's job. It was, it was the woman's job to carry the pitchers and to fetch the water. So to see a man doing it, it was very unique. It's like me telling you, all right, I want you to go down on 9th Street, find the pink Victorian home, and that's where we'll meet. You'd be like, oh, pink Victorian home. Disciples are like, oh, man carrying a pitcher of water. So it's just a marker of where they should be meeting. Now it is time for their meal in verse 17. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. One of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one? And he replied, It is the one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for anyone who betrays him. It would be far better that that man, if he had never been born. So they sit down. The meal begins. They'd all be seated on the floor on a, on a pillow around the table. Eating, talking, maybe laughing. And then, and then Jesus brings up some dinner conversation, which is not very friendly dinner conversation. These aren't things that you say around the table. So I'd always pictured this as Jesus dips, and here comes the hand of Judas with bread, and Jesus says, the one who dips with me right now will betray me. But that's not the way this would have gone, because everybody would have been taking their bread, 
and dipping out of the bowls and eating. Like the bread would have been like their utensil to dip and eat. And when you get to that level, there's a bond created in this culture. Something that I, I don't know if we have this in the American culture to relate to, but there's an intimate bond at this meal. And once you're bonded with like this to someone, you would never even consider betraying them. So when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, there is just disbelief in the room. Think about, let me try to make it understandable to our culture. If we were all going out to celebrate someone's birthday, you and your best friends are celebrating someone's birthday, and you go to a Mexican restaurant, and you're all sipping margaritas or having your Dos Equis. And then the birthday, the birthday person says, listen, one of you, one of you here has been seeing my girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse behind my back. You'd all just like, what? No. No, we would never do that. I would never do that. Absolutely not. No, no, never, never. Is it you? Did you do that? And there's this, there's this great, uncomfortable, awkward feeling at the meal. And if it was me, in all honesty, I would be like, this is so tense, so uncomfortable. I would be looking for a way to get out of the meal. I'm like, happy birthday, check please, let me, let me leave. But this meal, it continued. And I don't, I can't imagine just the uncomfortable feeling that would have been in this room after the statement was made. That's where, the, that's where the disciples are right now, in that very awkward, uncomfortable moment. And they begin to question, you don't think I'm going to betray you, do you? Do you think it's not me, is it? But notice Jesus never says, it is not you. No, it's not you. He never responds to that question. So they're all left in wonder. And it begins a very hard look at each one of them, looking into themselves as introspection, am I capable of doing this? And they begin to search themselves. We do know that one of the disciples betrayed Jesus. We do know that another disciple denied even ever knowing him. And I ask the question, who are we then to ever think that we are incapable of doing the same? When the people that were closest to Jesus spent day in, day out with him to do this, who are we? We're going to take a moment and we're going to take time to confess our sins before we come to the table. And we're going to take that seriously today. Uh, we have a corporate confession first that we will go through from Psalm 139. So I ask you to put that on the screen. And as we read this scripture together as our confession, would you please stand in honor of the word? 
O Lord, you have examined my heart, know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts when I am far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me, and you follow me, and you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Amen. You may be seated. Listen, you know your life, I know my life. You know those obvious sins in your life that maybe even hide from everyone else. You know your heart, your mind, your motives, your actions, your attitudes, better than anyone else in here. And if you have brought any of those things here, any of those things that offend God, that separate us from him, we're going to take time and silently confess them. And if you come in, you're like, I don't think of anything right now, and I think, that's great, but let's still be humble before the Lord and ask the Spirit to search us and reveal to us any offensive ways that we have so that we might bring it before the Lord. And take time and do that now in silent confession. We come to the time where we are at the table, where we will remember. And let's go back to the scriptures in Mark 14. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, for this is my body. The tradition of breaking bread at Passover was to remember the time that they ate unleavened bread as they fled for their lives. This bread then was replaced by manna. Manna was what God gave them every day. It was literally the dew on the ground that they collected and made into bread. It was a time where they came together to remember what God did for them. 
and it is reflected in the prayer that they would have said over the bread. This prayer, the blessing over the bread is called the hamotzi. And Jesus would have prayed this, which means, blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe who brings forth or who creates bread from the earth. Then the bread, which would have been a flat bread, is torn into pieces and it is distributed to each of the disciples. And as they would receive the bread, they would receive the blessing that was prayed over the bread. Now Jesus shifts the meaning of this blessing. He proclaims that it is this bread that is his body. Bread was the foundational food for them. It was broken for each of them. And when receiving this, they receive the blessing. And when we come to remember, this is the body that we receive. This is the foundation of who we are. We receive that blessing with that. And he continues on in the meal, in verse 23. And he, and he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink this wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus would have taken this wine, juice here, and poured it out. And just like the bread over the wine, there is a blessing, and it is called the Kadush. The Kadush, it means sanctification. So there is a blessing, a sanctification over the wine, which would have gone, Barukatarnai Lohenu Melakalam Bora Prihagafen which means, blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit from the vine. The blessing is one of sanctification. Jesus poured it out, then he passed it around to his disciples, and in the account of Mark, they all drank it, and then Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. And for us, we just think, grape juice, blood, wine, blood, yes, we get it. We've done this many times, but think about what it would have been in their ears. They are good Jewish men sitting around the table who are forbidden to drink blood, forbidden to eat blood, forbidden to have any blood enter into their mouth. And Jesus just said, this is my, the thing that you just drank, it's my blood. That would have been a disgusting, vile thought. I have just been 
I know it tasted like wine, but you're saying it's blood. Am I defiled in this? But again, Jesus changed this meaning. The blood which would defile them at one point is now the thing, his blood, that would bring them salvation, sanctification. Perhaps the disciples didn't understand all of what was going on, but we, in hindsight, can look back and we can say, it is because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord that we can be here today and we come as a body of believers to remember that. I'm going to ask the elders and the deacons who are serving today to come forward. And as they come forward, let me remind you that it is this bread that has already been torn in your presence is the body of Christ that was broken on the cross. It was the blood, it was the wine that was poured out, which is the blood of Christ that flowed and dripped from the cross. Today, we will distribute the elements to you so you can stay in your seats. Uh, The bread and the cup are all on one tray, and all of the bread is gluten-free. And I must give this warning, as Scripture indicates I do so. This is for those who call themselves believers, who follow Jesus. So if you were here as a guest or even as a long-term time attender and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know what these things mean, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, then when that tray comes to you, just give it to the next person without taking anything. So we are going to distribute these elements to you. Gentlemen, if you wouldn't do the choir. Oh, one more thing of instruction, I forgot. Take the bread as you are ready to take it, but please hold that cup, and we will take that cup together as one body following Jesus together.